0: We have to go back! Hello everyone, welcome back to the Flashback Flicks Retro Movie Podcast. I'm Ricky.
1: I am Grayson.
0: I am Iron Flicks. (laughs) And we are reviewing the 2008, just piece of perfection really, Iron Man.
1: It all started here. It all
0: started here.
1: Now, <laughs> Yeah, it's cleaner. Yeah, yeah I like cleaner. that.
0: Uh, so for those of you who don't know, um, this is a retro movie podcast where we like to look at movies of yesteryear and see how they hold up over time. Um, and our minimal threshold
1: for movies that we will watch is a decade, so 10 years. Yeah, uh, that's really the only rule And theatrical release, which I think we've flubbed a few times. But uh, yeah, 10 years. And so it counts they put it in the Marvel logo it is legitimate Marvel studio uh, yeah. tin but it was weird to watch such a new movie it, Can I just say that it yeah. w- Yes you, it
0: was so weird uh yeah. also to see how far cell phones have come uh, Oh yes that that's yes. just another thing uh but yes we are reviewing this movie because Avengers Endgame I have my tickets I don't know if I have a seat, though. Um, I don't know if movie theaters do that same thing that airlines do, where they they sell you the ticket, but they count on you not making it. Uh, So I'm definitely going to be watching it, and I'm so excited to look back at this movie.
1: (sighs) Yep, I I got my tickets. I'm ready for the end, and uh, I can think of no better way to prepare than going back to the beginning.
0: Yes. Now, to go to the true beginning of this, we're going to get into some history. Grayson, we are hitting these transitions very well. Unbelievable. Uh, It's seamless. (laughs) Let's go back earlier than 2008. Let's go back to 1996. Marvel Comics, 96. Space Jam is out. Everything's great for everyone except for marvel comics see marvel comics filed for chapter 11 bankruptcy um long story short there's a really cool video by nerd that talks about this but there was a kind of uh comic book almost stock market crash thing so they were making a bunch of new titles at marvel comics to make more money but people were thinking that these number one issues were going to be worth more than what They actually would be the same way that the first Superman comics are worth a lot of money. They're like, oh, this is our time to buy multiple comics. Well, basically, supply and demand, money stuff happened. It kind of inflated the market and gave him a false uh, idea of what comics they were actually selling because people were buying like nine, ten issues but then ultimately realizing that, oh, this isn't going to be worth anything. And so then people are ordering more comics, but people aren't buying them. So in 96, Marvel filed for Chapter 11 bankruptcy. And, late, and then, you know, to recoup their losses, they are like, well, let's sell our IP to different studios to make movies. And they were realizing that, you know, it's the 90s superhero movies are making a lot of money. Let's try and make some movies and so they cut deals with different studios so you had like blade x-men spider-man
1: um these all went out to different studios so that's why like spider-man goes to sony x-men goes to fox and that's why we're having to collect them all again um that's interesting uh too because there was some uh like ride rights that went in there too you know we love our, our theme park uh narratives here but like Uh, Hulk got sold off and like Universal Universal. was involved in that. So, yeah, Uh, but oh, it was all because they uh, they were going bankrupt. they were going
0: bankrupt. Like basically the superhero genre wasn't even fully established the way it is today. Um, And these deals weren't really great for Marvel. For example, Blade made 70 million dollars and Marvel got twenty five thousand dollars of that. Whoa! The first two Spider-Man movies, the first two, made yeah. over three billion with a B in the box office, and Marvel got sixty-two million dollars. Hmm. And so it was a hard time for Marvel; like they weren't thriving the way that they once were, and they knew that if they could just get into this game they would have a good stake in it. And so, cut back to, you know, meanwhile, in true comic book fashion, um, there has been a script floating around um, since the early 90s for an Iron Man film. Originally, Stan Lee pitched the story for Iron Man to Fox. Uh, and they had Quentin Tarantino uh, as the idea for the director, but oh. basically with with Fox having too much, you know, money to roll in making X-Men uh, and they basically ended up selling the rights to New Line Cinema. Uh, and New Line Cinema kind of was trying to make an Iron Man film. They're like, oh, some of these other superhero movies are doing pretty good, but ultimately, uh, those rights also fell through, and in around 2005, they were kind of up optioning trying to figure out what movie they wanted to make and so they actually did a focus group uh of different you know superhero characters to see all right so who is going to be like marvel's first movie like marvel do it in-house they don't have to pay anyone else to use their own characters they're going to make it and the toy that tested the best
1: was iron man interesting it came down to the toy yeah
0: because that's how they we're going to make their money because they said, if we can make some movies, we can make so much merchandise in uh, the Netflix series, The Toys That Made Us. I forget the actual math, but it's something like, yeah, the uh, Star Wars movies have made like a couple of billion dollars. The merchandise has made seven times that. It's like, whoa, what? And so they knew that merchandising was the key. And so with, you know, a wing and a prayer, they decided to go forth and make their very first Iron Man under the Marvel studio house and they put Kevin Feige at the helm of that ship and they got John Favreau to direct the film and Favreau really fought for Robert Downey Jr. because he said in quote the best and worst moments of Robert's life have been in the public eye he had to find an inner balance to overcome obstacles that went far beyond his career that's Tony Stark Robert brings a depth that goes beyond a comic book character having trouble in high school or can't get the girl.
1: Yeah, 100 percent. And we'll get to this. But when I was trying to think of recasting, I was like, I don't know. It's so hard to not have him. He's the guy. And um, I know a couple of uh, Marvel heroes have said this, but the characters that they play make them better uh, and they become a version of that character. So uh, I I think maybe Tony Stark more than anyone else, I mean, maybe Chris Evans too, but they start to like really, really just become the character in real life. And uh, yeah, it's hard to separate them. So that's cool that 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 John fought for him. Because um, I think it would have radically changed uh, the potential of the MCU had it not been Robert Downey Jr.
0: Oh, yeah. It would have shaped. I mean, originally, it was Tom Cruise who was their first pick. I've uh, heard that, yeah. And so that was like, that was back when they were first kind of creating the movie. But like after Iron Man kind of got shuffled around through, you know, different studios, you know, you, you, you get a cruise when it's parked. And yeah. he was, meanwhile, leading up. Mission colon impossible back in the habit. And so he had other things. And so then they got the Downey. So soft. Tom
1: Cruise pro- probably would have uh, wanted to fly his own jetpack, too. <laughs> Be like, um. You make me Mr. a Cruz. functioning suit and I take flight or I walk. Which I hate. And that's <laughs> the whole point. I want to fly.
0: Oh, man. So the movie came out. And, I mean, it did okay with an estimated budget of 140 million dollars it went on to gross over 400 million dollars at the box office that's dark money Wow, oh, yeah that's like real life iron man like oh yeah let's just uh <laughs> let's just go for it and so this movie did so well now mind you 2008 2008 is a good year for comic book loving people because it's the same year that the dark knight came out uh, Iron Man came out in May, mm. Dark Knight came out in July, and Disney said the following year, we want to buy Marvel for, zoom in, turn for effect, $4 billion.
1: And uh, they did. I mean, that's really what did it. And I think looking back on what's happening now, we're going to feel that again with fox yeah you, like oh yeah
0: you know how they talk about like uh you get that seven-year itch uh disney has a very sa- similar itch just like man we haven't uh, bought a company in like has it been 10 years oh man let's just <laughs> let's just buy it let's just buy it um uh, and <laughs> it it secured the idea that we would even get Um, a Marvel Cinematic Universe. The idea for a multi-movie interconnected universe was kind of new, uh, especially to be achieved to this large of a scale in movies. I think someone, I read an article somewhere where like the original cross movie interconnected universe that ever existed actually was with universal studios uh, and the oh, monsters. That's why yeah. they tried to come back with like the dark universe with the mummy. Cause that was kind of the original, um, you know, interconnected movie universe. Uh, and they did go with Tom Cruise on that. And they did. They said, we won't make this a thing again. <laughs> um and so that's what happened so after iron man 2 um that was really the solidifying um movie that ensured that we would definitely get this idea fully realized because fun fact samuel l jackson's cameo and the post-credit sequence was something that not a lot of people were on board with in fact they had it as a post-credit sequence, not to build hype, but so that it wouldn't be as distracting. Because people are like, wait, mm. why is Samuel L. Jackson here? What what role is he playing? Like they like, okay, after like we will get this whole story for Iron Man. But then this is kind of gonna be like that to be continued. It'll be like, okay, if we're able to make this movie, because they weren't planning on having Disney acquire them. They're like, guys, if we could do this, it'll be so good. But like we said, Marvel was bankrupt, and they were trying so hard to make this a reality. Uh, and so that's where the credit sequence started, which I thought was so interesting. Because like I, I know now, I'm just like looking forward to the end credit sequence sometimes more than the actual movie. It's like okay, but sure. what happens at the end? What what are we gonna get next?
1: Yeah, it becomes a plot point that you have to know. To go forward. Right. I know like in uh, in X-Men, the original, like they used post-credit sequences almost like deleted scenes. Like you could fast forward the VHS to right. like, see deleted scenes. Uh, not the same though. Not the same.
0: And this movie, and you know that the, the impact that this movie has not only on films as a whole, but on other directors. Because this movie is Michael Bay's favorite Marvel film. And that says a lot. Mm. Has a lot. I mean, it, com- compared to like the explosions in this movie, you would think that Michael Bay would say, "I mean, I would have liked it with like I don't know, fifty more explosions." But he says it's his favorite Marvel film, and there yeah. are more explosions in other Marvel movies.
1: Yeah, well, because he was like, "Oh, robots hitting each other." I have an idea. Excuse me. <laughs> Pardon me. Excuse me. I need to
0: go. Pin and paper, paper. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, And so that's our very mini uh, documentary on the very first Iron Man history of making of. Uh, I have uh, just two little other fun facts before we kind of get into our reactions. Uh, This movie uh, originally in the original script, it was going to be stated that Tony Stark was actually the creator of Dr. Octavius's tentacles from Spider-Man 2.
1: Oh, I buy that. Right. But the Sony problem.
0: Yeah. Yeah. The Sony yeah. problem. Um, and also this kind of goes into the history again. But so much of this movie was actually improvised because um, they didn't have much of a script <laughs> when they went out to make this movie. So a lot of things were improvised, including the iconic final line of the original narrative, not including that post credit scene. I am Iron Man. Uh, That was ad-libbed by Robert Downey Jr. And uh, Kevin Feige says uh, it was something very much in keeping with the comics character that he would have done. And he goes on to say, I think it did inspire us in all the movies. What Mm. I love now, 20 Movies In, is how fans expect the MCU to change and adapt. They expect us to be inspired by the comics as opposed to being slavishly devoted to them. And... I think that that is so true because anytime you see a comic book movie, you're like, well, actually, the Mandarin—he's a different kind of villain, and he actually is one of Tony Stark's longest villains. So the portrayal that they're using here doesn't really add,
1: like you, like as a comic, sp- that guy sat behind me in the theaters. <laughs> like I, I like the.
0: Like, knowing how things happen in comics, uh, you, you kind of feel like an authority over it, especially if you – like, any book adaptation to film, you kind of feel like, well, they missed this thing. But by knowing that it's its own thing, you take it as its own universe with its own story to tell, and you get to see the inspiration that they draw from. Like, right. I don't expect MCU to do Every single storyline the exact same. The same way that when Logan came out, I wasn't
1: expecting them to do Old Bay Logan because, first off, how would they do that? Yeah, no. they. I mean, they actually couldn't with the contracts. Right. But I think it gives audiences a way to have... The journey again. If you're a fan of the IP in all mediums, like *Walking Dead*, did a great job of this. Where I was, I was watching the show and reading the graphic novels at the same time. And part of the fun was seeing where they made new choices and where it kind of derailed here and then came back. And uh, I appreciated that. I, what makes me think of it is I just saw a *Pet Cemetery*, which I had read the book and I really enjoyed the book. And then I see the movie, and the the first half of it, you're like, yeah, this is exactly like the book it's just on screen and then the, the last half you're like oh this is a big old what if deviation from the book and i enjoyed that too because i got to see these characters i already know make different choices it's like different timelines yep. and so i love it that the, the marvel cinematic universe has made different choices still rooted in the source material but they can do Whatever they want, because it's just one universe of many. Um, So it's fun. Okay,
0: so now we are going to go into our reactions. I remember where I was. I remember the year. The year was 2008, Grayson. Mm -hmm. I purchased my ticket because I had Mm -hmm. remembered watching the Iron Man animated TV show uh, that was playing around the same time as X-Men Spider-Man tv shows i remember i always remember tony stark's little briefcase because his briefcase had the little iron man thing so when iron man 2 came out i saw that i'm like how how is this happening (laughs) (laughs) um and i remember originally like i i was very excited about the movie but i i have to admit like the very first time i saw iron man i wasn't like as hype as i was about spider-man because spider-man was my Marvel superhero like like they had they were already in process of making the movie I wanted to see the most in live action. So Iron Man was like, oh, okay, let's see what they got. Um, and I enjoyed it a lot. And I I wish I could even predict that they were going to do anything close to what they ended up doing uh, back then because I would have been way more hype. Because uh, I remember the movie I thought was going to beat Iron Man. Um, was Speed Racer because the live action Speed Racer movie came out the same weekend and it got a tank
1: missile to the Mach 5 by Iron Man because it just destroyed it. Yeah, I've had the privilege of seeing every MCU film in theaters. So I definitely, yeah, definitely (laughs) brag. I definitely saw this uh, when it first came out. And I really didn't know that much about Iron Man going into it. So I think I was discovering a lot of the character and when you first watch it, if you know nothing about him, you're like, why is this guy likable? Why is this a guy that you would like build a story around? And uh, I mean, they they answer all those questions because he there is proof that he has a heart and he's a character that needs to improve and, and get better and kind of see the error of his ways. And he's a very human character. I think it's a great character to start with if you are going to do a huge interconnected universe him and Cap really are the epitome of this, where they start out as just normal people who, I mean, yet yeah, Tony is super rich, but like he has to have the suit to have the power, but he makes a ton of mistakes that he has to clean up. And then Cap, similarly, is like a guy with a lot of heart, but no ability, is given the ability, and then what does he do with it? Um, they're just very human stories. And so watching it back, I think that's what I could really appreciate and uh, like the MCU to sustain it over all the films that, that it's had, it has to have really core themes and it was cool watching it back. I, I was able to pick up on a lot more of what those themes are, uh, like in the press conference where Tony has the burger and he's sitting on the stage. He says, I saw that I'd become part of a system that is comfortable with zero accountability. And you immediately think of Civil War. It's like yeah, that. his position will be extrapolated and, and put in a different scenario. He's going to hold to that theme that they set up here. Um, and even with Jensen, who is arguably the most important character of the MCU. Like, we don't have anything after that if he didn't help Tony. Yep. Uh, Tony says, thank you for saving me. And he says, don't waste it don't waste your life. Mm. And that charge really does motivate Tony to do something worthwhile and to, and to clean up the world. And we see some of that early like Ultron mentality as well of I'm gonna protect the world by putting this shield around it, putting this casing around it. Um, and so it feels consistent. It feels like we're just flashing back to a different time. Um, that is very much in line with the rest of the MCU. And so for them to get it that right on their first tryout in this and not being like, oh, false start, that's, that's great. Um, and I think that's why uh, Incredible Hulk took such a hit is because it did feel like a false start for that character, especially with the recast. But with Iron Man, that is the Iron Man. People even will overlook the the recasting of Rhodey and and of Papa Stark and all that. Like they'll overlook that because the core character Robert Downey Jr. as Tony Stark is that person all the way through. And that was just really cool to to rewatch. One thing that was really uh, disorienting. Uh, upon rewatch, mm-hmm. is hearing Vision's voice outside of his body. It
0: was so weird. And that's so
1: weird. Now we're like,
0: oh. he said that he just got to record for like two hours and take home a lot of money and go
1: on yeah. vacation. Yeah. You know, once they put me in the movie, that's what Paul Bettany sounds like when he's not acting. Yes. He sounds like this. I'm Paul Bettany. Yep. Yeah. yeah. If you listen to dire- director's commentary,
0: that's what he sounds like. Uh, when I was crafting the voice of Jarvis,
1: I thought mm, it needs to sound sophisticated. Yeah, yeah.
0: Uh, <laughs> one of the biggest things I noticed this time around, versus like you know the first time I saw it, I I know that we we've talked a lot on this podcast uh, about how origin stories feel, yeah. and I thought that this didn't feel. A lot like an origin story in this same in the same way that I think most origin stories feel. It's just like, okay, we're gonna see the dark and tragic thing that happens to this character. Like we get started with the attack, and then we get to know Tony, and then we see what happens. And it feels more so that you're just like you're watching, you know, I mean this is what it is, an action movie. It's just like, Mm -hmm. hey, you have this straight-laced cop who's just playing everything by the rules, but then, oh no. He gets most of his body shot off and he then becomes part of this experimental program. And then you have Iron Man, I mean Robocop. And then you have RoboMan. Um like it, it reminded me a lot more of like that kind of action um action movie premise of like you're you're seeing like almost die hard. Like you see this guy who's put in the situation and he's not necessarily the most qualified person, but he figures mm-hmm. his way out. Yeah. Um, and then see what he does to bring that to a larger scale. Yeah, and and I I love that. like I, I think that's something that I think makes the superhero genre so rich is that by taking the non-traditional of like, all right, let's see some origins uh, approach. you see you just start with the character and what gets them from being a normal everyday person to being, someone with great responsibility. Surprisingly, I have not gone back and rewatched any of the Marvel movies. Really? Uh, I had I haven't because oh, at-, at the time I was like I have a perfect memory. I'll just remember <laughs> this forever. Um and so it it was weird to like go back and be like, "Oh yeah, I remember parts of this, but there are things I forgot about this movie. Um, and especially knowing like where we are today, I think, cause I think I've given Iron Man sequel wise, the hardest time of all the Marvel movies. Um, only second to Thor dark world. Those opinions stay where they are. Um, but like, I was just like, Oh yeah. So we're just supposed to believe that Tony just decided to do this at the other. I'm like, no, like, This all makes sense based off of the information we're given from the first movie. They cannot create the arc reactor as a power source. They can't figure it out. The best scientists can't figure it out. When Obadiah yelled, Tony Stark made this in a cave with scraps. Box of scraps. I was (laughs) like, oh, man, like Tony really is unmatched in this area like he's yeah. not just like another really smart guy who's like someone anyone could just kind of do what tony did except he just did it faster and earlier than other people like he really is unique in his ability to outthink and maneuver his way technologically mm-hmm. and I, I just thought that that was really cool it's like oh yeah that it does make sense why all his biggest rivals would be other scientists because he's
1: the guy to beat you also forget how many times tony stark has almost died yeah and a handful of them are in this movie yeah yeah Yeah. and
0: not even from when he was overseas like no i mean sure he
1: has like his saw moment where he wakes up attached to a car battery but we've all been there has it that's what college is for (laughs) but seriously like
0: the several times that he like crash landed just his human body i was like Wow, so uh, there's a lot of uh, just broken human in that suit.
1: <laughs> uh, in more ways than one, Ricky. Mm-hmm,
0: uh huh, uh huh. But also another name for his suit, I personally would have gone with, was head cannon. Head, head cannon. cannon. Yeah, that's what he would have named the uh, the war machine because it has a giant cannon oh, next it's a to the shoulder head.
1: cannon. Yeah, yeah. Head adjacent cannon. Head
0: adjacent cannon.
1: Uh, yeah, <laughs> hack for short.
0: Nice. Uh, <laughs> uh, head cannon is a part of the show where we share a few unique ideas about the movie and untold stories based on evidence provided by the film. Um, now we've talked. I mean, there, there's a huge established just a head that
1: has to do with all this other stuff. Yeah, It's hard to maneuver in this space yeah. without someone being like, um, excuse me. I'm like, "Are you? do you mind? We're in the middle of Iron Man. <laughs> well, this is a movie theater.
0: I saw your door was unlocked and I wanted to correct you. I think my biggest piece of headcanon for this movie largely has to do with uh, just some too spot on casting to not point out. Okay, um, okay. So in the movie, we have um, Jeff Bridges playing Obadiah Stane. Yeah. Now, Jeff Bridges is such a great talent. We love seeing him in movies. Is that Mm -hmm. is that true, Grayson? Oh, that is factual. Good. Because I then realized that, like, wow, this guy, he he took over Stark Industries, like for a while like way back in the day you know they talked about like being in the 80s remember the thing in 89 this that the other (laughs) well uh it's so interesting to me that jeff bridges would be working in technology in the 80s uh and obadiah stain i don't know about you but that sounds like a made-up name so my headcanon is that kevin flynn from tron Oh, is actually Obadiah Stane. Got it. Tron in sixty seconds. <laughs> the one and the same. Now, largely, what this would do is ruin all of uh Tron uh fully loaded. Sorry, Legacy, which would come out just two years later. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the way I fix that is that. Um, Obadiah Stane doesn't actually die. Um, Oh, okay. And that he he basically sees the errors of his ways and goes back into the game that he had long forgotten about. Um, And then rewrote the memory of everyone to make his story hold up there we go. Head cannon fixed it. Got it. Listen, I've made head cannon out of less.
1: So oh, that oh, we both have. Yeah. <laughs> no, we're with the MacGyvers of head cannon. I've made
0: head cannon in a cave with, <laughs> with a s- box of scraps.
1: <laughs> My head cannon, um, and I, this is—I'm really going out on a limb with this one, but it's that this first Iron Man movie secretly takes place in a different reality from the rest of the MCU. uh... And we just don't know it yet. Uh, Which explains why Rhodey looks different, why Mr. Stark looks different, Papa Stark is different. And in this reality, different from Iron Man 2, Whiplash is not a villain. He is the pilot that was... Kind of went toe to toe with him uh, in one of those first altercations, and uh, that version of Whiplash becomes uh, an Iron Man villain. So, just small little differences, small little differences, but very difficult to do headcanon in the MCU space. It's
0: so difficult. Like there's just so much. Like like when. Marvel is doing its own headcanon and saying, yeah, so that kid in Iron Man 2, yep, that's Peter Parker. It's just like, you can't even, how? how?" It's just like, because some people thought it, and we said, okay. It's like, yeah. All right, so it's it's whatever they want it to be. All right, now is time for us to do one of the hardest things I've, I've ever thought that we'd have to do, and... Uh, the the lifetime of the show. We are challenged to assemble the greatest actors of our time to create a recast and remake. Recast remake. If this movie were to be made today, who would you cast? What would the storyline be? And I'm going to use my recast remake with this. So if Iron Man were to be remade. Uh, They would do something along the lines of what happens in comics very often. Oftentimes in comics, you will have multiple titles or versions of uh, the same character. Uh, I'm most familiar with... Um, you have uh, the Spider-Man comics that's happening in the traditional like 616 universe, and then you have Ultimate Spider-Man, which is happening in another universe that I don't know the numbers of off of the top of my head. Um, but the, ma- the major Marvel continuity happens in Earth-616, and then everything else kind of happens... Um, in different pockets of universes, so like for example, in the main Spider-Man comic, Peter Parker, Spider-Man, and the Ultimate Comics, it was Miles Morales. Now I know there have been different events that have happened that have merged the Earths together, this at the other, <laughs> but I'm just giving you an example. So I think that they would make the Invincible Iron Man. That's another one of the titles that Iron Man has um Mm -hmm. and their origins are just slightly different um but the characters are more or less the same at the heart um at the stark i should have said yeah so this one um i would actually love to see what iron man would look like with tony stark being younger Um, almost basically, uh, making him almost like Peter Parker's age. Like what if Peter Parker became Iron Uh, Man instead? So
1: like we see him in Civil War with the barf technology.
0: Yes. Got it. Yeah. And so he, he starts out young and tries to make the suit, but like basically we, we grow up with Tony Stark. Um, and that way, you know, merchandising, like kids are like, yeah, I want to be like Iron Man. And there's actually a, um. A t a short-lived animated tv show right after um the first iron man movie came out um and i want to say it was iron man armored adventures um mm-hmm. and it was a really really fun tv show it's basically about tony stark's son who found an iron man suit left behind by his dad papa stark So
1: yes, it was called the Armored Adventures. That's better than the Amored Adventures, and you go on all of Tony Stark's dates with him.
0: Yeah, so this basically, I'd follow that, uh, where it's it's a teenage Tony Stark battles evil with his revolutionary power armor technology, Um, and so I I, that's that's the main thing that I do. I age him down, um, and I would cast everyone's favorite Maze Runner, um, Dylan O'Brien. I, I know he's getting up there in age, but he, he has such such a baby face. Um, and I think that he would do a really good young Tony Stark.
1: I like that. Yeah. I like that. I recasted this current film with current actors. I think for Tony Stark, because we talked so much about how the personality of Robert Downey Jr. seems to be there on and, and off screen. Um, I think similarly, you could do that with Brad Pitt. I just think he would be a very compelling uh-huh. Iron Man and have that kind of uh, swagger about him that Tony Stark shows in this movie. It also would have been interesting if we could have brought Brad Pitt over to the Incredible Hulk movie when Edward Norton was there and do a Fight Club reunion. Yeah. Uh, but That, that, that would have been fun. But alas. Then for Pepper Potts, I had Bryce Dallas Howard. I think she would be good. Very nice. Um, I don't know the age difference there, but don't overthink it, (laughs) mini-segment. And then uh, for Rhodey, I don't know. Top of my head, Don Cheadle. But if we can't get Don Cheadle, Donald Glover. Someone named Don. Just get them in there. But, I mean, I'm still waiting for him to be the Prowler. And then uh, for Hogan because I loved his work in a similar role in A Star is Born, Greg Grunberg. Get Greg Grunberg in here. Nice. Um, And then uh, for Jarvis, uh, uh, Jude Law. I know he was in Captain Marvel, but I think if anyone's going to help Robert Downey Jr., it's going to be Jude Law. Yeah, that's true. And then I did a reverse recast, which I don't think we've ever done, where I took an actor... In this movie and recasted him in a different role in a future movie, I took Jeff Bridges and used him to recast Thanos. I think he would have been an amazing Thanos. I mean, he's bald. He's got lines on his chin. I know it's a beard. I know a beard when I see one. Uh, That's good. But yeah, And, and he has that deep commanding voice, especially when he was in the armor. I was like, yeah, you could have adjusted. Yeah jeff bridge's voice to be a really intimidating thanos i tried to do some headcanon it did it fell apart very quickly we're like uh obadiah stain is the human origin of thanos and he becomes that it was messy it didn't make sense that guy sitting behind me wouldn't shut up about it um so yeah that's that's my recast and for a remake i would have suggested an iron man vr game but they just made it it's a real thing now nice um and yeah it's on playstation and all that so uh yeah i haven't played it yet but i really want to i think it'd be a lot of fun
0: you know what you made me rethink my recast so thank you um i actually want to uh still go with the uh armored adventures kind of you know uh storyline for like the invincible iron man uh but i want donald glover as roadie that's perfect um i want to give andrew garfield a chance at the mcu i want him to play young tony stark emma stone to play pepper pots um and dennis leary to play obadiah Stane. I, I just want amazing Spider-Man. I thought the casting was great just copy paste and change the suits.
1: And Yeah, and then you could have um Dane DeHaan as Jarvis and just bring everyone back into it except he'd have to he'd be like, "Oh yeah, no, I can I can help you out with that, Tony." You got to see the eyes. Dane DeHaan is all about the tired eyes. I love it. I love it just a really low energy vision oh did i phase through the wall sorry guys sinister six uh
0: all right now we're going to go into our final segment the end game segment if you will (laughs) where we give you our reasons to recommend uh so grayson
1: why would you recommend the 2008 movie The Iron Man. I would recommend Iron the Man, Mm -hmm. uh, like Portugal the Man, (laughs) Uh, just because we can't sell this movie short because it really did launch a cinematic phenomenon, an interconnected universe that's been told over 20-plus stories and growing uh, for over a decade. It started here. Uh, So... If you have any interest in movies and or if you just like being entertained, I highly recommend Iron Man to see how to plant the right seeds early um, and to have a plan and to be able to be flexible with that plan and kind of all of the negotiation that went into making this film. And the execution is clean. I think the biggest testament to that is where Rhodey looks at the Mach 2 war machine suit and is like, ah, next time because they know it would have been way too cluttered, way too much to try to pack it all in there. And to call their shot and say, there will be a next time, uh, I think uh, is also the right way to go about that. Don't try to cram it all in there. Have the confidence that you can, that you can save stuff for later. Not saying dangle story out unnecessarily, right. uh, but for Easter egg moments like that, it gives people something to kind of sink their teeth into, and so I, I really kind of respect the pacing and the um, the decisions of what to include and what not to include uh, that Jon Favreau made and the and the the screenwriters made about this. I think it's I think it's just really a mature way of going about making this film. Uh, more personally, though, it's just a, it's a redemption story, and so many of the Marvel stories are about that in different ways, whether it's Iron Man, whether it's Captain America overcoming survivor's guilt, whether it's um, the Guardians of the Galaxy is all redemption stories of really finding a family and moving past their broken selves. Um, But I think uh, Tony Stark, more than any of them, he was single-handedly responsible for such wrong in the world and then to make the active choice of saying, I'm going to fix my mistakes is an incredibly attractive story to tell. Um, It's very human, and dealing with the consequences of our own selfishness is something that everyone can relate to. Um, So it's just a really really gripping story in that sense. And because of the way Tony has matured and grown over the years, Mm -hmm. I believe he will do whatever it takes. Whatever
0: it takes whatever it takes i mean this movie oh man i i remember when i first watched the avengers and
1: i was just in awe i was just like
0: how did this happen
1: like <laughs> i had a similar thought when i saw justice league but with different inflection <laughs> yeah
0: i mean like you 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 look at the avengers like how how did they even do this and how did they do this and make it good And you see this movie. Iron Man is such a great movie because it's a great origin story without being overly expositional and without leaving... Too much on the table I think that's a mm-hmm. I think that's a challenge that Most movies especially like 10 years after Iron Man Still have a trouble doing Because they're like okay well we're going to build up all these These things because fans are going to Get to see all these things and it feels Like they're holding back Iron yeah. Man Doesn't hold back like right. It it feels like you're just Watching the natural progression Of this story um, Without it feeling like Overly expositional and like they're trying to just like oh but wait till you see the second movie you have to you have to stay tuned like they say like they 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 give you these moments very much how the end credit sequence wasn't they didn't want that to be too distracting they said hey we will have these moments for the fans to be excited for but we don't want them to be taken away from this story Iron Man is a complete story. If they never were able to make the MCU, Iron Man would still be an amazing movie. Mm -hmm. And I I think it's because of the right combination of bankruptcy and heart and the desperation to keep a company afloat. Like This was kind of Marvel's final playing card because... They didn't they weren't doing well with comics, but they still knew that their stories were worth telling. And Iron Man gave us such an amazing story to start this 20 plus movie cinematic universe that allows us to see that. You know, heroes are born every day, whether it be out of circumstance or trial by fire, like. And, and there are different heroes that, you know, can rise up from the most unlikely of places. And even you will believe a man made of iron <laughs> has a heart.
1: Heroes aren't always born. Sometimes they're made. That was, a, was that the. I just made it up.
0: No, Grace. I'm pretty sure that's the tagline for Iron man. <laughs> Oh, is it? <laughs> and that is our review of the 2008 movie Iron Man. There's a space in between the two. I had to learn that the hard way. Uh,
1: Iron Man. Iron Man. Henry Iron Man? I'm Henry Iron Man. From high school? So
0: (laughs) let us know what you remember about watching Iron Man uh, on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, and all the places we are at, Flashback Flicks. And it would help this show a lot that this is the podcast worth avenging, worth assembling, worth creating. Um, and being listened to uh, by giving us a rating and review on your podcasting platform of choice on a scale of one to five marks, like one, like still pretty impressive. One's um, like, yeah, a box of scraps. <laughs> box of scraps. Uh, I really want that to be our new opening. It's Just, <laughs> just like I said, we have to go back to a box of scraps. A <laughs>
1: box of scraps.
0: Uh, yeah, let's know what you think of the podcast. And because we will be. Uh, watching in game and probably you know figuring out what we're going to be doing for the rest of our life for at least a week uh, we are going to take next week off but be sure to tune in next next time right here on the flashback Flix retro movie podcast until then remember to be kind and rewind